Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hi, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. And I'm joined today with my partner in crime, John Nugent. How's it going, John? It's going great. The sun is still shining in Florida. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, John's coming from Michigan, where uh, if you stand outside for five minutes, icicles will form on your body. So in the book Insurgents, I talk about the culture of the kingdom of God in that when God's people enter into the kingdom and they begin to embody the kingdom together locally, when they begin to live out the kingdom life, it affects our behavior, it affects our conduct. And there's a culture of the kingdom. It's the culture of heaven being brought down to earth and made visible. Yes. And that has to affect the way we talk. Absolutely. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words we use, the things we say are an indicator of what's in our heart. So we want to tackle an issue today that uh, I don't think is talked about much in the Christian family, and that is, hold on to your chair, folks, this issue of swearing, cursing, cussing, using profanity, and vulgarity. F-bombs. <laughs> F-bombs, S-bombs. B-bombs. <laughs> and... In our culture today, we both are Americans, we live in America, and I would imagine this is true in Europe too, my understanding is it is. Using profanity is in the drinking water of American culture. You can't watch a movie without hearing somebody using some kind of cuss word. The ones that don't are extremely exotically rare. Yeah. Most of our young people use cuss words on a constant basis, even as punctuation marks. It's so prolific. And even older folks as well. What concerns me, John, and we've talked about this a little bit, is that that culture of using profanity and vulgarity has entered into the bloodstream of the Christian family. And it is viewed as completely acceptable. It doesn't matter what word it is. It could be the most abused word of all. You mentioned the F-bomb. That the Lord's people have no problem at all with swearing. And I want us to explore, is this an issue that we as God's people are missing? Is there something to this that we need to look at? Does the Lord have a different view of this than our culture does? Does swearing, does using profanity, does being vulgar exhibit the culture of heaven? Or does it run contrary to it? I think these are questions worthy to explore. I have one further thing. I have, <laughs> I've been around a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders. And I will say that many of them use profanity no differently than people in the world do. Use the same abused words. I remember there was a pastor who... Hold tightly to your chair right now. He was talking about a sermon he heard preached by another pastor. And he said, and of course he didn't say this publicly, he was with peers. He said, my goodness, that mother 
preached a sermon that was so good, it blew my mind, and I'm going to preach it next Sunday. Wow. Folks, I did not cuss. That was just a little humor added there. I actually said the word expletive. John, in my personal experience, one of the first things the Lord dealt with me about when I became a disciple of Jesus Christ, I was very young, was this issue of using profanity. I immediately had a sensitive conscience about it. I intuitively knew it was wrong, and I immediately stopped. And I have never had a problem with it. I know some people have said to me, you know, I, I have a problem. I hear it all around me, and I, and I know it's wrong, but I have a problem. Sometimes it'll come out. And, and that has never been the case with myself. Now, I'm not putting myself above anyone else. I'm just telling you my own personal testimony. Mm -hmm. But I have met so many believers where they did not have that conviction at all. So I think it would be good for us to look at some scripture on this and just talk from experience as well. What is your overall feeling? What's been your observation and your experience yeah. when it comes to this matter? Yeah, in Michigan, where, where I live, in casual conversations where people, they let their hair down and they're just being friends, just yes. hanging out, uh, there is a kind of, you get the sense that Christians are wanting to swear to kind of show that they're real mm. to show that they're human normal casual not uptight sophisticated they you know being a christian hasn't made them stick their head in the ground right they they're kind of real world people who exist for the real world and so they speak the language of the people uh it, almost like it's an evangelistic strategy to swear to show that uh, being a christian doesn't mean you're not normal uh, and so I, I see it as kind of a selective swearing as a, a bit of showmanship to mm -hmm. say something about you being cool or with it, uh, or in relation to unbelievers, Christian swearing just to show how much worldly you can still be and still be a Christian, uh, which means if you want to come to Jesus, maybe the journey isn't so far as you think it is. That's interesting you say that because in my experience, and observation as well, sort of the opposite testimony has been given to unbelievers. Throughout my life, because I have not used profanity, the people who didn't know the Lord who were around me noticed that right away. And it showed them that that was just another thing that made me different from what they were. And I think there is something in, in our culture, and I've heard this from many unbelievers, where they say, these Christians are no different than we are. Yeah. They cuss, they do this, they do that, they do this. Why do I want to follow Jesus? I don't really see anything different from this person than, than the way mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. And so worldliness then blunts the testimony that the person who follows Jesus Christ is different and has something different to offer. And I think the culture of heaven is only seen when our behaviors reflect the heavenly realm and that would make us a different set apart people so i think it works the other way as well now yeah an unbeliever may say oh well this christian is cool because they dropped the f-bomb but is that going to help them to see that i want what you have <laughs> because right. you're different than i am what it ends up doing is it reinforces behaviors that would be unbecoming of a follower of jesus christ I think really the issue comes down to 
what does the scripture say about this? And then what does one's spiritual instincts say about it if they really get in touch with their spiritual instincts? Now, it is possible to have a seared conscience over something that maybe the Lord and the Holy Spirit in you has been resounding in you time and time again, but you keep shutting that voice out. Mm-hmm. And you rather listen to the loud voices that are around you, especially when a minister or someone who is viewed as a Christian leader uses profanity or anything else. Maybe they smoke cigarettes. Maybe they have temper tantrums. Whenever a Christian leader has a pattern of acting a certain way, that gives the people who are following their leadership justification to act exactly the same way. And that's something that those of you who are in ministry need to think about. People tend not to imitate your good points. They will imitate and even exaggerate your flaws and your eccentricities as well. Yeah, and however far they see their Christian leaders going, they're going to go further. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they're going to exacerbate and exaggerate it. Yeah. Yes. That's one of the reasons why the weight of leadership is so grave and serious, because God's people will imitate your flaws more than your virtues. All right, here are some passages that speak to this whole issue. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 5 verse 4, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. I'm going to run that by again. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. I think that would cover the dirty joke, John. Yeah. Which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. There is the passage, Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You know, one of the things I've noticed about cuss words, quote-unquote, is that these are abused words in a culture. And oftentimes they have to do with either sacred or intimate acts. Mm -hmm. So the sex act has various cuss words attached to it. Female genitalia has various cuss words attached to it. Even the act of taking a bowel movement has various cuss words attached to it. And violence, violent actions have cuss words attached to it. And violent actions have cuss words. It seems to me that, especially when we talk about the so-called F-bomb, what that is doing is it's taking a sacred act that God has created and denigrating it and using it for abusive purposes, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, you know this, if you think about many of the cuss words, make a list of them, and how they're used, they're often used as a curse against someone else. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. James 3, verses 9 to 10. And then James makes this statement in chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, and by that he means spiritual, one who is following the Lord, If anyone thinks he is religious or spiritual and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Those are heavy words. I also think, John, I've never really heard many people talk about this, but when you curse 
and it's called cursing, mm-hmm. swearing. You are, in fact, cursing another person when you use a term like that. And in effect, you're also cursing yourself. So I think there's something mysterious that goes on beyond just the words, something that goes on on a spiritual level when a person cusses at another person or uses a curse word to damn another person that we often may be oblivious to. Here's another one. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, I don't know how else to interpret obscene talk from your mouth, but as a reference to profanity and vulgarity. And then, this is one of the biggest ones of all, and boy, I cringe when when I hear people do this. In our culture, at least, I've never heard a person get angry and use the name of Muhammad as a curse word. I've never heard a person get angry and use the name of Allah as a curse word. I've never heard a person get angry and use the word Buddha as a curse word. But boy, they have used the highest and holiest name of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. Running it into the ground, denigrating it, using it in vain and emptiness, using it as an abused word, his holy name, and anger or frustration, and they will say his name in that way. Yeah, there's something about the act of cursing that is taking what is sacred, what is holy. It, it's violating a taboo. Yes. Uh, I and I, I suspect most of the times people violate the verbal taboos to get attention for themselves. Yeah, it's almost always the motive. Yes. If I'm angry, I want you to know that I'm really angry, (laughs) so I'm going to cross a line. That way, you know I'm serious in my anger. Or if I'm passionate, I want you to know I'm really passionate, so I will use vulgar language. I will cross a line to draw more attention to my passion. People, when they're trying to teach, and Mm -hmm. this is where I think some Christians do this, and preachers or teachers. Uh, they're trying to really reinforce a point, drive it home with the audience, yep. cross a verbal line. Everyone stands up in their chair. Afterwards, mm-hmm. they're saying, "I can't believe he said that." You know, mm-hmm. this must be important. Uh, and so it's using, uh, and it's 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 worse when you're using the divine name, but oh. it's using them to advance your own agenda in a way that reminds me of Jesus' teaching: "Let your yes be yes, and your no be no." Right, and anything more than that comes from the evil one. If you're a person of integrity, if you say what you mean, if what you mean is backed with the word of God, then there's already as much power in this as it needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you need to cross a verbal taboo uh, to get your point across, is that an implicit statement that your words don't stand on their own? Mm -hmm. It needs the something more that you borrow from the culture's practice of line crossing Mm -hmm. Uh, to get people's attention. It should not be so among God's people uh, because these are worldly motivations, worldly tactics. They're they're fleshly things. Again, I come back to what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you have a dirty mouth, does that not indicate a dirty heart? Something is off there. Yeah, it, it implies something about what you're taking in. I know when uh, my, my testimony is similar to yours. I, I grew up on Long Island in New York uh, in a blue-collar town. Uh, I worked in the kitchen in the restaurant 
industry and swearing was the culture. Yep. Swearing was the way of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a high schooler growing up in the 80s, I mean, I cursed like a sailor. It's just how we all talked. Yep. And it's even worse today, by the way. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, it's hard for me to imagine it being worse. Well, <laughs> well, now it's penetrated. See, there was a time where females, women, would not really cuss like men do. But in our culture today, they not only keep up with the men, sometimes exceed the men. And I'll just interject here, and I just want to say this, because I have met a number of Christian men, single men, who have said, I will not even date a Christian girl who uses profanity, because that reveals something is off in her heart regarding her attachment to the world. Yeah, and I would hope uh, there are a bunch of women out there with that same standard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right? But when I came, when I uh, left Long Island and I had committed myself to strengthen my relationship with the Lord, to attend a Christian college, and I really viewed myself as leaving Long Island and going to Michigan to attend a Christian school as detox. Mm. I knew my life wasn't right with the Lord. Yeah. And uh, so I went onto a Christian campus and I surrounded myself with Christian folk and I quit swearing cold turkey. Uh, because I just knew it wasn't fitting. You talked about, you know, a spiritual awareness of in your heart of what you know is right. I knew that way of speech was just me uh, inhaling the world and then exhaling the world I was inhaling. Yeah. And I changed practices to begin inhaling the Word of God. <laughs> Amen. In, in, awesome. in ordering my life around the mission of God and His purposes for my life, which meant... I curbed the, the music that I listened to because what was coming out of my mouth is what was going in my ears with my right. music. Right. Um, you know, one of the functions of being a college student is you have no money and you have no time. And at that point, you didn't have TV on your phone. And so I really limited my intake from the media world of the foul language in the movies. And I found that my language just cleaned up itself. And so I think it's the language is a reflection of what you're taking in. The people for whom swearing is second nature, it could be rooted in their past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every once in a while it still pops up. Yep. Um, or it could be a reflection of the present life you're living. You're still so much involved in the world that swearing is commonplace to you. Uh, and so it's no wonder it comes out of your mouth. And the question is, is there reason to believe in Scripture God has called us to a higher standard when it comes to our speech? And I think the Absolutely. parade of Scriptures you just brought Absolutely. before us says the tongue, too, yeah. uh, is uh, a major factor in discipleship. Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes back to this issue of the culture of the kingdom and living in that culture. And again, you know, the gospel of the kingdom is a message that is very explosive and it is deep and it is something that touches all areas of our lives. And how we speak is definitely related to how we respond or if we're responding to the fullness of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, somebody out there who's listening is saying to themselves, well, you know, someone told me that Paul cussed in the New Testament. He used profanity. And they're thinking of Philippians 3.8, where Paul uses the word skubalin, which is the Greek term. Well, according to BDAG, BDAG, which is one of the renowned eminent resources for the Greek language, that word there, skubalin, 
is not the equivalent of the, the SH cuss word. It is better translated disposal, refuse, garbage, kitchen scraps, manure, excrement, rubbish, all of which, John, are not cuss words. They're not considered profanity. Mm -hmm. So it's a real reach to say that that's what he was doing there. He was using a swear word. No, you have to fit this into all the other texts that I have read. I think the bottom line here is that if you have never really considered this issue and you are someone who uses profanity because people around you use it or because you want attention or because you want people to pay attention to your agenda, whatever it may be, whatever the motivation is, we encourage you to go to the Lord with this and get in touch with your spiritual instincts. Take a look at these passages I just read in the New Testament and in the light of the Holy Spirit if you come to the conclusion that this is not becoming of a disciple of Jesus Christ, nor does it exhibit the culture of heaven, then repent, which means stop. And if you have a problem with it, you ask the Lord for his power and he will break it in your life. And you will find substitute words <laughs> to utter when you are angry that are not offensive and that are not abused words. And I think we, we need to think of our motives in our speech and ask if we're trying to draw attention to ourselves in ways that are fitting of a disciple. Um, and it's a different form of egocentrism uh, to use speech to make yourself look cool or sophisticated. And it's kind of a sign of immaturity. Yeah. I, I think the people who are most tempted in my circles to swear a lot are people who grew up not swearing because they were in Christian homes where it was a taboo. And, you know, they grew out of their childlike understanding of faith that's built off of just imitating their parents and not doing what that's not allowed. And they associate it with other practices and other things that when you're a child, it wasn't part of your practice. But now as an adult, you start doing things. And it's a sign of your maturity that you can do these things. Um, and people can narrate it to themselves as if it's growing into adulthood. Um, but that's a worldly vision of adulthood. In Scripture, there's not a growing into foul language that's a mature adult thing to do well that put. in measure is a gift from God if done in the right capacity Amen. and right context. Amen. That trajectory doesn't follow with swear language. Yeah, perfect. I'll double-click on that, my friend. Bring this to the Lord. I think there's something here for those of us who have joined the insurgents to look at. And I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ was called the friend of sinners in the book of Luke, and he was that. Unbelievers were comfortable around him, but he was also said to be separate from sinners in the book of Hebrews. And so that tension of being a friend of sinners while being separate from sinners and coming out from among them, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, must be held tightly. So, brothers and sisters, we do not want to be like the world. We don't want to be conformed to the world. That doesn't mean we leave the people of the world. But when they're around us, they ought to be provoked to ask us the question, why do you not do this or that? And as Peter said, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you about the hope that is within you, implying that the way we live actually provokes people to ask us questions about why we live the way we do, because it's different. And if it's no different, guess what? 
nobody's going to care to ask anything <laughs> along that line. If it's no different, we don't have anything worthwhile to offer that they don't already have. That's right. Amen. Well, on that high note, we will sign off and we will speak to you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.